Welcome to the first episode of Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, the podcast that never confuses your real dog with your data dog. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Chris Mosier. How are you doing, Chris? How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, this is the inaugural episode of uh, yet another Monster of the yeah. Week's production. Uh, we have started this. We've kind of restructured our Patreon around um, some, some of this Monster of the Week's present stuff because we want to do more content for you guys and we want to spread our wings out of the Supernatural Universe. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Stay firmly rooted in, in our supernatural universe and things that we like. Uh, Chris, I believe you had the idea for the name of this podcast. Am I am I remembering that correctly? I don't know. It's just a great name. I, <laughs> I'm going to give you the credit because your other podcast is, is the basis of it. I mean, we probably should have called it Bounty of the Week, but sure, Don't Give yeah. Up Space Cowboy just felt right. <laughs> <laughs> and if we're going to give me credit for uh, the Don't Give Up part, we have to give uh, CJ over at the Twin Humanities yeah. Podcast a shout yeah. out for naming Don't Give Up Skeleton, Don't Give Up Skeleton, and, right. and doing away with my terrible names. But uh, we are going to cover the entirety of Cowboy Bebop, and, um, an extremely great anime that I have yeah. never seen, and that Chris. We're not uh, going to do it all in this one episode. Just no, make that. <laughs> no. Although, uh, if our plans hold steady, uh, this is the first time we're recording this, but our, our plans are to release a a lot of episodes all at once. We are going to yeah. Netflix style dump a bunch of podcasts on our patrons. So uh, if you were listening to this, this episode is going to be free for everybody. And if you want to hear the rest, go to patreon.com slash monster of the week and subscribe there. You can look at all those tiers and everything like that. And just a quick thank you to everybody that's already doing that. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're doing this because people have supported us. So, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. the The reason we can do this is because people are supporting us, and uh, it, it feels good to do more stuff. So, uh, without further ado, Chris, tell me a little bit about Cowboy Bebop and specifically what the show is and your history with it. So, uh, I think, like I was just saying to you off mic, I think Cowboy Bebop is probably my favorite anime, and I think that's kind of like a go to answer for a lot of people. Um, and a lot of that has to do with time and place for me, uh, and again, for a lot of people, because I first watched Cowboy Bebop, the movie. Uh, that was my introduction to it. During, I think I was in eighth grade, it was on Adult Swim, Saturday night, and I, when I was in middle school, and even through like high school, I was terrible at staying up late. Um, but uh, my friend just kept saying, hey, this Cowboy Bebop movie of the show, I really like this movie's going to be on Saturday night. Like you got to stay up and watch it. I was like, I don't know if I can do it, but I managed to, uh, I'm little so boy Chris right managed to, <laughs> so I'm so managed young. To stay. <laughs> can you give uh, a fetus coffee? To, is that allowed? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I was able to stay up past my bedtime and I was able to watch the movie and I had already liked anime. Obviously I was into Dragon Ball Z and even like when I was younger than that, like Pokemon crap like that, like I grew up on anime, but it was a specific kind of anime. Cowboy Bebop felt like that was the first step into into going beyond what I had been into before, and I think it was that for a lot of people. Uh, it was an introduction to like a cooler, older, more mature version of the thing that I already loved. Uh, so from then on, I think it took me a couple of years to finally track down the uh, the DVDs at a uh, like a used record store, uh, and then <laughs> I watched all the episodes over the course of a couple of days, coming into school every morning and being like, "Guys, this is the best show of all time." Uh, and not realizing how much I was going to like fall in love with it until I'd finally finished it. So uh, it's I've revisited it a couple times, but now it's been a couple years. So it it's cool to go back for a podcast. It it is extremely cool to watch. Uh, so I think that from our monster of the week outtakes um, where you have discussed anime and I have expressed some anime opinions, people get the impression that I am kind of anti anime. And I'll lean into yeah. that for comedic purposes on Twitter and things like that because I think it's funny um, because, it, it, you know, it's it's funny being the straight guy sometimes, like the straight comedy guy. Um, I, I don't really have a problem with with anime. <laughs> like, I just, it's not something that I right. sought out as, as a kid. Um, it's something that totally missed me in my teenage years. Like, I just didn't understand it. Uh, Pokemon, when Pokemon was coming up, uh, like, that was a childish thing to me. So, I, I did yeah. not like well, that. Well, I was like, a child, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I remember people getting really, really into, uh, like, Japanimation. I remember kids calling it Japanimation. I mean, thinking they That's were, what like, they call it, yeah. as a Chinese giant nerd myself, like, of... looking down at these other nerds and going, like, 
you guys are terrible. <laughs> like I'm willing to, yeah. like, I feel now like that, that was probably a bad thing to do. But, um, over the years I've, I've watched stuff, I've watched some really cool stuff. Um, and it's very basic, like baby's first anime, like fully Cooley or ghost in the shell or mm-hmm. attack on Titan and things like that. Um, and I, I appreciate a lot of what I see. I like it, uh, from an animation standpoint more than I really like mm-hmm. it in a story stuff. And that follows through here too. The two episodes we're covering today, the first two episodes, they're, uh, they're interesting from a story point. Like it, and it's really cool from a world building building perspective yeah Uh, but the things that i like about it are just how fucking gorgeous it is and how like how amazing it sounds the music and the animation is the killer or the two killer pillars is that that should should be what we name a podcast killer killer pillars pillars. (laughs) (laughs) but those are the two things that really pull me into the show and uh that's our roman empire podcast is the killer pillars (laughs) (laughs) today we're going to start out in 27 bc uh with the (laughs) roman emperor and two brute um we should we should copyright killer pillars like i actually kind of like that yeah um but yeah these, these these episodes are just gorgeous and the way that they um because i've watched the first four so far uh or excuse me the first five uh and the way that they they present this world and the the kind of they just kind of slowly let you in on it and uh Mm -hmm. it very much reminds Mm -hmm. me of the of the tv show firefly which i if if firefly came first i'd be shocked i I feel like firefly took a lot of inspiration No, everybody says and i don't know if it was ever officially confirmed that that firefly was heavily inspired by cowboy bebop yeah absolutely like and if and if if it wasn't uh directly inspired by it's one of those things like the stuff that joss whedon had seen would have been inspired by Cowboy Bebop for him to get inspired to make uh, this. So I think that that this definitely is is a similar kind of vibe. Um, The, uh, I think it's, we should note that I think we're both watching the, the dubbed version and not the subbed version. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, you there's mix- even like the the dub is really great. I've never heard the the original Japanese. I'm sure it's equally great mm-hmm. given the the caliber of uh, talent behind this show. Uh, but obviously, I, I grew up on the dub, and the dub is an example of just how that's exactly how you do it it's done so well and i've always been really fond of it so it's hard to like not watch it that way you know yeah the the main characters are all, all sound really great um uh the, some of the side stuff i think it definitely sounds like it's people recording stuff separately and then splicing it together to sound like a yeah. like a conversation which <laughs> is not 1998 <laughs> yeah exactly like this is i was graduating high school when this came out so that's exactly the kind of stuff they were doing and you know <laughs> video games have done that for a long time and we, we give those a lot of passes for that so i'll uh i'll, I'll give that a pass too uh mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention it so people that know what we are. Uh, I bought the Blu-ray for this, yeah. uh, and it was on sale for Amazon over Thanksgiving, uh, and it was—I don't even remember how much it was now—like twenty bucks or something. And uh, the 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 quality of the Blu-ray is absolutely outstanding. Like it just looks yeah. so gorgeous. Um, so I just wanted to mention all that stuff before we got into the main episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, I'm excited that you're watching Cowboy Bebop, and I've, I I. F- felt like you would like it but i am really happy that that you have uh <laughs> you've taken to it as well as you have because you know those first four episodes especially the the we're only covering two on this episode um but the first four especially it is just kind of stuff stuff happening and it's all really entertaining stuff but the context for it is um it's simple it's just like hey bounty hunters going after criminals you could see this in any universe yep. uh and as you said they're kind of slowly letting us in on uh, not just the characters, but also the world and everything that's happened before and everything that's uh, happening in the moment. Like it's 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 letting in everything slowly. But what really sticks out is just like the cool factor, <laughs> and that's what you were saying. Like with the animation and the music, everything is just kind of like, "What's up? We're here. Uh, got a light." Like it's just very cool. Uh, and for a long time, I think I wasn't really even paying attention to like what was happening in the episodes on like a real p- plot. Mm-hmm. way or in a real plot way i mean i did now obviously because we're, <laughs> we're doing a thing about it um <laughs> but like the first few times i would watch it it was just sort of like hey it's action hey this is kind of cool hey i like this i'm not totally hooked yet but this is cool uh and then episode five comes around and that's like you know kind of the the story heavy one that starts to clue you in hey there's more happening here uh than we uh initially let on and i thought that was when i was sold but um it's definitely cool very factors. it's very cool like uh mm-hmm. i i can see you know I'm, I'm thinking 1998 um a few years earlier we saw pulp fiction which i would consider mm-hmm. like that movie came out for the first time and uh that that movie was very very cool this shares a lot of that aesthetic maybe not aesthetic yes, but that kind of yeah. uh the kind of language patterns maybe like it shares a little mm-hmm. bit of that um it's very much characters posing while they're doing things and being cool definitely. while they're doing it definitely and uh that can that can work sometimes and sometimes it can't uh it works very 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 well in this in, in these two and the, in the episodes that i've seen so far so the show definitely succeeds on that coolness factor i believe 
Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely, it, it's, it's very unique. I think we can, we can probably get into the episode soon. It's just mm-hmm. very unique. It's, it's, it's a product of its time in a really cool way, kind of. Uh, it's still built on the backs of a lot of, uh, other stuff in the genre and a lot of other anime, um, while f- kind of doing it for the first time in this way, in this style. Uh, and that's super cool. Uh, even with, I wanted to just like look, I was looking into like how the show got started. How did something so cool come to be? <laughs> and just like briefly looking at the, the Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, the director Shinichiro Watanabe, I think I'm saying that. Okay. Um, basically I'm just going to read sort of how, how the show came about and it's very simple and it's very funny almost because uh, it says the project had initially originated with bandai's toy division as a sponsor with the goal of selling spacecraft toys now if you've seen cowboy bebop like yeah there's cool ships but like that's not really what the show is about um but watanabe recalled his only instruction was so long as there's a spaceship in it you can do whatever you want but upon Ooh. viewing early footage, it became clear that Watanabe's, Watanabe's vision for the series didn't match out with uh, what Bandai wanted. Uh, believing this series would never sell toy merchandise, Bandai pulled out of the project, leaving it in development hell under, uh, until its sister company, Bandai Visual, stepped in to sponsor it. Uh, since there was no need to merchandise toys under this new deal, um, he, the director, had free reign to develop the series kind of however he wanted. Um, and he said he wanted to not just design a space adventure series for adolescent boys, but a program that would also appeal to sophisticated adults like you and I, Jeremy. Like, like the two of us, yes. Um, <laughs> Monster of the Week, the Sophisticated Adult Podcast. <laughs> uh, Watson Abbey often attempted to rally the animation staff by telling them that the show would be something memorable up to three decades later. While some of them were doubtful of, of that at the time, Watson Abbey, many years later, expressed his happiness to have been proven right in retrospect. Um, this has certainly endured, um, what, from what I understood that it wasn't very popular in Japan when it first came out, it was just sort of like, Hey, okay. Like critically well accepted, but, um, not super popular. Interesting. I wouldn't have expected yeah. that just on the animation strength alone. Like I would have imagined yeah. that that would have been kind of uh, successful, but I don't, and again, I, I think at the time it's anime is targeted towards, uh, the adolescent crowd sure, who aren't yeah. necessarily as interested in these dudes who are whistling and having slow conversations in between their punches. <laughs> and it takes, it takes like four episodes to get to the, um, the eye candy of this, of this series. <laughs> so I can see maybe that, that being an issue. And also like as a, as a dude that has lived in, in the American South, like I just have no capacity to understand the, the overseas anime market whatsoever. Like everything I read right. about it or hear about it, it sounds just horrible. <laughs> like it sounds like people are just like struggling <laughs> to get episodes out and trying to yeah. make money with this disaster of a of an art form um mm-hmm. so it's the, the fact that yeah, this, it's crazy this found when, a life I, I think is really impressive yeah when when you look at something like bebop which is like what 26 episodes something like that mm-hmm. uh compared to something like also super popular like dragon ball which is like a million episodes and the animation quality varies throughout and there's so many different studios and the crunch for that is like getting out episodes every week or however often and um having to do all this filler it's just like that sort of one aspect of it and then you have something like bebop that is so contained and so well produced on like every level it's it's just it's very cool um but do you want to start uh the first episode sure um so the uh i like the fact that these aren't um episodes these are sessions yeah. Um, so we start at uh, session one, Asteroid Blues. Spike and Jet kick the series off, attempting to apprehend Asimov Solazan, who has stolen a syndicate's entire supply of Bloody Eye. This came out on October twenty yeah. fourth, nineteen ninety eight, and was written by Kiko Nobumoto. Nobumoto. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead with and, names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I I'm going to try my best, and I'm, I've actually like, I think I googled that one to try to figure out pronunciations. Like, I'm going to do the best I, I very much can. So if you hear me. Uh, some some of our friends of the show <laughs> know that I have I, I've just butchered people's names all the time, so like apologies <laughs> in advance. But I'm going to try my best. Same in Dane Winchester. Same in Dane Winchester. Uh, the the first thing that we see is the intro uh, with this great uh, opening title soundtrack, uh, and it's tank. Like the, yeah, tank. Yeah, and it's uh, it's fast paced. It's jazzy. It's full of horns. It's exactly the opposite of what I would expect from quote unquote anime. Um, I'm yeah, very much going to um, lean into anime as a like a like a general like a huge amount of art. I know that it's mm-hmm, not, but like mm-hmm. I'm going to be like this is very not anime to me. I'm going to say that a lot. So if that bothers you, just just <laughs> it's a make up. sweeping generalizations, and it's okay. The, the entire yeah, especially thing, the way that the the song the intro comes in. We, we're obviously not going to talk about it every damn episode, but this the first episode is the first time you hear it. Especially since this is the only episode that has a little prologue. 
which is this little intro scene of who we're going to find out is our, I know our main character, Spike. He's smoking in the rain. He's, he's standing, it's all black and white and he's, he's standing in the rain. He's got a bouquet of flowers, which suddenly we see, uh, there's a gun hidden in there. Uh, and we see flashes of gunfire and violence again, all in black and white. Uh, it ends with Spike, like pulling out a grenade, I think, or something. And he, and he smiles as he tosses it. Uh, and the only color I think that we see there is, is red. Um, mm. unless that's later on, but either way, it's this very like, um, mysterious kind of opening because it's we don't know is that is that the present or is that the future is that the past we don't know what we're looking at here and then they hit you with this big bombastic uh and it's just one hell of a way to start an anime (laughs) it's extremely great the intro sequence is like full of uh silhouettes and bright colors and um these like kind of cuts that uh i I call this like an ocean's 11 thing i'm sure there's probably a better name for it but like it's uh, kind of almost like a bond type exactly like with a lot more color sliding around the screen uh with different things but yeah definitely more color and like just very you know in in your face and like you know spike is running around and doing crazy stuff there's this weird kind of text thing in the background and and some and some scenes and Mm -hmm. it's just very evocative like like kind of hooks you in immediately yeah it's super cool uh and then again it's like even after that huge explosive intro music it just slows it right back down and we get this kind of like smooth slower jazz which is obviously permeating like every inch of this um show uh and we we see you know ships kind of like lazily floating above this gigantic red planet which i believe is mars uh and it's just like hitting us with a visual tone like here look at this stuff uh look where you are now uh we just introduced you to all these colors and everything and now we're just going to dial it back uh and then we see spike our hero He's just sort of practicing martial arts in the dark, doing his mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. Uh, on this quiet ship. And then we see uh, Jet, his partner, who's just cooking bell peppers and beef without the beef. Um, and Cause, they're just... Because they broke. <laughs> they ain't got no money for beef. Yeah. Um. Very quickly, the fact that, that, that they really stick on that, we, we get the image of these two broke bounty hunters. Uh, they obviously take what they do seriously. I mean, we see Spike doing martial arts. Uh, <laughs> but the fact that Jet is cooking bell peppers and beef without the beef shows that you know, he's a bullheaded guy who's still going to call it that, even when they don't have the beef. Also, that they're super fucking broke. As we quickly learned, is because Spike causes destruction every time uh, they actually manage to uh, get a bounty. So they're good at what they do. They just, you know, happen to not be super great at uh, at the back end of it. I feel like... Uh we should spend some time on the character designs of both spike and jet since we're going to be dealing with them um spike is our is going to be the main character he's he's very tall and thin and lanky um he's you know got this huge afro of of green hair uh very sharp features uh jet is a much thicker dude he's still very tall Mm -hmm. but he's thicker and he's for sure thick He's got, he's thick with two C's. He's got the, uh, he's, he's got like a robot arm on his left arm, yeah, I believe. Yeah, he's got uh, metal arm. And I, that, maybe some more robot parts. I, I haven't really been able to tell. Um, <laughs> hey. He's uh, <laughs> he's definitely seems like he's the older and more mature as compared to Spike's kind of young brashness, right? Um, mm-hmm, <clears throat> Spike mm-hmm. is is going to continually kind of rush into uh, dangerous things without without a care in the world. Uh, it reminds me of the stories. I don't know if you're still listening to the Salt Report podcast, but uh, our friends over there have been playing Bloodborne together. And our, our good friend Jake seems to, when he plays Bloodborne, just run immediately into danger without caring about the world and <laughs> aggro's all of the enemies and brings it back to his summons. So really funny. That's kind of how. That's kind of how Spike operates. <laughs> Ex- exactly. Yeah. So very very aggro. Um, I, I I think the character sounds are great and they're they're rendered mm-hmm. extremely well. And I, I we're we're gonna be dealing like we're kind of living in this episode a little bit. I feel like once we once we get past the opening details we're going to speed through the these episodes yeah, a little bit yeah. longer so this this first episode may be a little bit longer than uh we originally anticipated um <laughs> but they they have a job to find this dude down in tijuana uh so they 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 basically which i think it's just like an asteroid because i used to think okay so they go down to earth but then they they pan into it later i think it's just an asteroid with the city like on it's, it it's like an asteroid with the city on it and uh, i really really enjoy uh i've been reading the the expanse a lot which is like the sci-fi series with where mm-hmm. we have colonized other planets and uh turned asteroids into uh you know space stations and things like that and uh it it does a similar thing where you know it's this crazy looking spaceship on the outside or crazy looking you know planet from the outside but it's like this this weird lived in city on the inside and that's that's the vibe we get as we kind of as spike in his like portable ship not his big ship and his like flying down to the planet ship swordfish mm -hmm. yeah the The big ship is there that's their that's their hub that's their home kind of 
Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's their sense of place. It's their Impala, if you want. Um, and it's called, that's called the Bebop. That's obviously where the name of the show comes from. Uh, Spike's ship, I believe, is called. <laughs> they have not told the me that in four episodes, by the way. <laughs> I think it might just be written on the side of the ship. I think that's I about it. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> they don't generally uh, call it out. They might not have even shown it yet. I just know that. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're just chilling out. And this is when they like, they catch their case um, mm-hmm. about a bounty on this dude named Asimov, who his whole deal is that basically, as we kind of read in the, um, description of the episode he stole a bunch of a uh, bunch of drugs from uh the syndicate this crime syndicate we don't really know anything about the syndicates yet um but he he robbed him of their drugs because he's trying to run away with his girl uh, but first he's got to sell all the drugs so we uh there, there's a there's a price on his head so spike and jen are like all right let's go pick this up they head on down to tijuana to start uh looking around for him and yep. i think that this is where we um we get to see the the antagonists i guess of this episode and that's this setting at a bar where now we're we just went from being in space to now just suddenly into what looks like some rusty old like dust town bar which is cool yeah this is it doesn't um it it gives you some wild west vibes while still being kind of high tech at the same time again if you've seen firefly or you've seen cowboy bebop then you know exactly what i'm talking about like this isn't (laughs) this isn't exactly what what you would expect from that and uh this couple walks in one is one is asimov i believe that's the guy's name yeah asimov and then um asimov has a girl with him uh but asimov is trying to make this deal uh and it it goes sour very quickly (laughs) like he has to he has to use the drug uh which is like this eyedropper thing bloody eye by the way great drug name i think that's really great especially mm-hmm. that you have to put it in your eye and your eye you put it red. in your eye that's how you use it and it gives you like it's like you're getting really high but it gives you like hyper senses as we're gonna see in a minute yeah um you know they come in acting normal enough uh asimov he says like oh well can i order a bloody mary there's some like code words exchange as he goes to the back to to make the deal um and then i think her name is rosa uh, and she's left out there by herself we see her she's like a the seemingly pregnant woman um, and then within like two seconds, you know, the guns show up, uh, and start firing off everywhere because as much as bounty hunters, Spike and Jet are after this dude, um, so are the police and also are the friggin' syndicate who, uh, <laughs> they stole from. So our kind of, uh, uh, obstacle here is that they need to try and get this bounty before, uh, the syndicate catches up to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the 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 way that things happen in Cowboy Bebop, at least so far from what it, it just seems like Spike just kind of happens into all of this. Business. Yeah, you can never tell if it's like <laughs> if it's fate or if it's luck or if it's skill because he just and he never really shows his hand very often, and he's kind of just always around, so it's hard to tell with him. Like how much of it's calculation and how much of it is just you know luck. There's a couple of characters in uh, the Marvel universe that whose base, whose mutant powers are basically luck. Um, one was uh, Domino, who was in the recent Deadpool two movie, and then one is Longshot, who hasn't really showed up in any movies. But uh, this is very, but this is very much a Longshot kind of thing. Like Longshot is the kind of dude that would just happen to land somewhere and then like trip all over the bounty guy that he was looking for, <laughs> and then like yeah, you, know, been, you know, literally trip and fall into him, which is basically what Spike does, right? Spike just literally trips yeah. and falls into this uh, to um, Asimov's girlfriend and promptly steals some of her food which makes me which it charms which makes me very charmed by spike i like it when people steal food for yeah. some reason i don't i don't he's know why. very he's very poor and he's very hungry like yeah they have sure. these nice suits and they're flying around in these ships but like they don't have beef for their velvet prison beef so you know he, first of all spike goes to like a fortune teller on the side of the road oh yeah i, um, I just skipped this i'm sorry yeah this was really good who, like this this weird like kind of indian like with the long pipe kind of kind of situation Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see a little bit of this mysticism kind of sprinkled throughout the entire series. It seems like this is something that Spike might take some sort of stock in, despite his... He, does, he doesn't seem like the type who would be into mysticism or anything like that. Uh, but this is not the first, or this is not the last time that he will go to somebody like this to kind of try and get some info. And uh, the person see, tells him that they'll, they'll see a, uh, like a red-eyed coyote north of town or something like that. So he's just like, all right... <laughs> I'm just going to go blow back blowing in the wind. And then, yeah, he goes to this, like, essentially this gas station, uh, bumps into the woman after uh, he has a little, like, a run-in with Asimov in the bathroom of this place, but mm-hmm. it seems like Spike maybe doesn't know who he is or, like, Definitely doesn't seem like he knows. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> um, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, the only thing to I wanted to bring up, um, Spike will make references to things that you don't really know if it's just a vague thing or if it's a specific reference to a specific event in his past. Um, mm-hmm. And also in the show, 
it comes up a lot in, in nearly every other episode, at least. People are talking about dreams, whether dreams they had in their sleep or dreams that they have for the future or living in a dream, walking in a dream, feeling like a dream. It comes up a whole lot. So I just wanted to point it out now. Um, but somebody says, uh, or the, the, the fortune teller, whoever it is, says something about how he'll be pursued, Spike will be pursued and killed by a woman. Uh, and Spike's response to that is, one more time, I was killed once before by a woman. Uh, and then he walks out, and that's kind of it. We don't really know what that means, but it's something that I thought I would bring up. Very evocative. Like, I like this kind of um, uh, foreshadowing. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, he's our hero, and he's our hero is going to have some sort of weird murky past that we're going to figure out over the course of this episode. Otherwise, they would have started yeah. when he was a boy, when he had amnesia, right? That's the way these <laughs> things usually yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so while uh, Spike's just sort of floating around, Jet goes to the bar that just got shot up, and mm-hmm. he's trying to like you know get some info. Uh, so he's still working the case. It's not all Spike. Jet's on the ground. He's got his boots on the ground. He's doing stuff. Uh, yeah, Jet, and this is yeah, this is where Jet seems like a pretty Sorry. solid partner to have in all of mm-hmm. this because uh, whereas Spike just vaguely goes and like walks into just literally walks into one of the people that he's trying to he's trying to chase down. Uh, Jet is more of like of a like a, a normal police officer type like he's going to go hit up people mm-hmm. he's going to mm-hmm. ask some questions he's going to get on the ground and you know try to find some clues so it's it's an interesting pairing i like this yeah um but then yeah spike has his little run-in in the bathroom with asimov doesn't seem to know it's him outside bumps into the woman steals her groceries and then he's just sort of playfully laughing it all off and like sorry whatever um they talk it up they're goofing a little bit um she says oh we're we're heading to mars um you know we got to get out of here uh I, i've always wanted to live on mars to see mars uh, Spike reveals that that's where he was born. Um, so we don't know exactly the timeline of, of when this is all supposed to be happening, but he, he was born on Mars. So that's a thing. Um, I think he also mentions that he's had his, his, his ship for 10 years. So presumably he's been doing this bounty hunter thing for, for the last 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where he seems to kind of turn serious and reveal his hand a little bit more and says like, Hey, you can't run forever. I know you're trying to run away to Mars because of this whole uh, bloody eye thing. Like I, I guess maybe he either figured it out by talking to her or when he saw Asimov in the bathroom to begin with. Um, this is where he starts to reveal he, he, he's, he's on to her a little bit. And that's when Asimov jumps in from behind, starts to choke him out. Uh, and it's only when uh, she tells Asimov to let go that he drops Spike. Um, yeah. Asimov is on a very, uh, very tight leash right now. Like the only reason yeah. he hasn't like exploded is because of this woman's presence. And it makes it seem like, not that Asimov is going to be like this big, long-standing villain in the series, but it makes it seem like maybe he wasn't always a bad guy, but when he's on this bloody eye shit, which he's now totally addicted to, he's somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Spike is passed out on the floor and I think, uh, he gets like kind of rescued by like a chef guy. Yeah, Jet right? just finds him lying there in the parking yeah. lot. <laughs> the, uh, I said chef guy, I meant Jed. I'm sorry. Um, they, they didn't actually use anybody's chef name guy. in the first episode. So I wrote stuff like chef guy and dude with big hair in my notes. They literally <laughs> didn't use anybody in there because all I did, I, don't, I wanted to go in kind of blind. Like I didn't want to like look up a Wikipedia yeah, yeah, before yeah, yeah. watching it. So I just stuck the disc in and hit play and was like, Oh, the chef guy, <laughs> dude with hair. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll get better with this over time, y'all. I promise. Yeah, it's it's cool. So yeah, Spike, he, he's just laying there. It doesn't even seem like he was unconscious anymore, that he just decided he was laying down for a while. I'm uh, tired. And <laughs> when Jet comes to get him, yeah, Spike stands up and we see that he he snagged a vial of bloody eye from uh, Asimov's pocket. Spike mm-hmm. is like very much a pickpocket. He pickpocketed some groceries and now he stole this this vial of, uh, of, of bloody eye. And he this is this is now their next clue so they realize hey they want to get away to mars but if they got to get away to mars that means that they got to sell this bloody eye first they need to make some cash so our best bet for catching them is to set up a deal a drug deal basically uh and once that happens you know they go back to the bebop and they come back out there they meet somewhere else spike is wearing a ridiculous poncho and a giant sombrero Uh, (laughs) i like this a lot it very quickly turns from him trying to buy the drug to from asimov to being like uh fyi uh you're busted so and the the fight scene that ensues after this because of course asimov isn't just going to be like yeah you got me so let's let's go to the cops uh the fight scene 
Um, obviously, we, we've had some some really great animation so far, but this is the first time that this show like really impressed me. Like uh, a lot yeah. of times, I'm coming off of watching. And, um, I think this will be out, so I can safely talk about this. I just watched the uh, X Men anime for uh, for a yeah. charity podcast, um, and uh, the fight scenes were kind of cool, but you could definitely tell like it was there were some scenes where like it was a picture of somebody that somebody clicked with the mouse and moved to the right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you would do, <laughs> yeah. to, to do something. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, this is not that. Like it's the action is super quick. It's super fluid. The the camera angles and everything are really really yeah. solid. Uh, and the like choreography the way, is great. The choreography is amazing. Which I mean I know that's like that's probably something that's easier to do than a live action thing, but also probably way harder to actually you know because yeah. I'm sure the yeah. people drawing this have not actually done a bunch of karate fighting or maybe they have I don't know but like I'm <laughs> sure that's actually pretty difficult to get a good reference on that stuff and it's just I amazing. So. I'm so impressed with this. Yeah, it, it looks awesome. You know, he flips over a table and rolls around, and the, the animation is so fluid. I think that Spike's fighting style is supposed to be Jeet Kune Do, which I believe mm-hmm. is Bruce Lee's fighting style. Uh, they make some references to Bruce Lee um, in a few different times. Uh, but here, this is this is a big indicator for Spike's character. We saw him doing, like, practicing martial arts by himself in the bebop, but here, uh, he's fighting Asimov, who's on this drug, this bloody eye, which we know from earlier in the episode, gives this dude, like, super heightened senses. Like, the guy was dodging bullets earlier in the episode. But now, Spike's whole philosophy on this is, like, you might be able to dodge my fist, but you can't see everywhere at once, so I'm just going to be punching and kicking from every damn direction, and eventually I'm going (laughs) to clock you. And we know that because Spike tells him this. Yeah, he tells him that. He's he's so confident. As he's throwing all these punches and kicks, Spike is just very casually talking, which is very, very cool. he tosses off his sombrero, and it looks so cool. He's so fucking cool. He's so cool. Spike is very cool. Uh, During this fight, uh, the girlfriend of Asimov is trying to, like, line up a shot to shoot Spike. Uh, but of course, like the fighting mm-hmm. is a little bit um, too 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 frantic for frantic. Yeah. Excuse me, too frantic for uh, for her to line up a good shot. And the syndicate guys that are chasing these people down show up and shoot her. Um, did we we mentioned that she was like looking pregnant this entire episode? Right? Did we actually? She was mention extremely it? pregnant this whole time. Yeah, yeah, I did mention it earlier. Um, FYI. She's not pregnant with not a pregnant baby. <laughs> but it's a good moment because she's pregnant with lies. She's pregnant with drugs, the worst kind of pregnant. Yeah. Uh, it's when she gets shot in the belly, like all of the blood vials start spilling out. Uh, and then, you know, Asimov immediately reacts because he's all hyped up on that. On the, almost said demon blood. Jesus Christ. He's all hyped up yeah. on that red eye. Uh, he, he says, you know, Oh, you, you cause her an idiot or something like he kind of starts running her down, which is kind of a bummer for, for this yeah, girl who's trying to, her. you know, it's probably her boyfriend who's acting weird because of the drugs. Yeah. It's, we, we can just see this microcosm in this relationship. It's not only are they being shot at, but things are collapsing fast for them. They're under, mm-hmm a lot of stress and things aren't going the way that they they want them to um so yeah they they go to take off spike's getting pinned down by these syndicate dudes who are shooting at them and then thankfully that's when jet shows up uh i believe he's in his ship now which i think is called the hammerhead i don't know that for sure i'm pretty sure that's what it's called though okay um i'll take your word for it (laughs) yeah so there's just a there's a lot of forces happening here because i think we get the cops in a few minutes so there's the cops there's the syndicate there's the bounty hunters and then there's uh asimov and uh and his girlfriend so yes. there's there's a lot happening and it, it it doesn't even matter like none of it matters you're there for the for the ride of it and it's a lot of fun it's 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 a lot of fun like the whole time you're kind of uh it's the, exactly the kind of action that i want out of out of out of these kind of stories right like it's it's a really fun action scene there's some karate there's some i say karate but like there's some martial arts uh these dudes asimov and his girlfriend jump into the spaceship and fly off with basically everybody in the world chasing them um his girlfriend is kind of begging him to stop like she's kind of realizing this has gone on too far yeah we, meanwhile we he's, he's just straight of, dosing that that, that that red eye he yeah. just keeps going with they it. were they were a couple that we were, were getting the idea that they were a couple they were in love they wanted to get out of their life of crime unfortunately asimov does that kind of like it's almost like a stereotypical or like a tropey thing in, in like a crime movie you know like the young kid he wants to run away with his girlfriend or um something like that where they screw over the wrong people to get the money to get themselves away, and it doesn't go well. And that's exactly what happened here. Only now, yeah, we're seeing Rosa, like, begging him to stop taking the drug, and he's just, you know, he needs a little bit more just to get them out of trouble. Um, but it's not working. And you could tell the, the his girlfriend um, is is kind of realizing what's going to happen right here. And uh, mm-hmm. she makes this decision, which is to grab his gun and shoot him in the head. Yeah. And this is right before the cops open fire and you just destroy this, this ship altogether, like killing both of them. So we go from this, this action packed 
fight scene to this chase scene, and then they're in space, and Spike is trailing behind in, in his sword ship, um, or swordfish ship, and there's this sort of silent exchange between, I think her name is Rosa. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. <laughs> I just, for some reason, I have that in my head. Um, so I'm sorry if I'm wrong about that. Uh, they have this sort of silent exchange, and he looks over and he sees her cradling Asimov's head as she's shot him. And it goes from that bombastic, fun, energetic scene to like the quiet of space. And then the sad music plays, and it's like, oh shit. The, the show is able to hit you with that that tone again mm-hmm. of this like desolate, quiet, sad world that they're living in. And that's pretty much it. Uh, Jet makes some bell peppers and beef, presumably with the beef this time. And uh, without the beef, they get no bounty. They got no they, bounty, uh, so they got no beef. You're absolutely. They right. got blown to bits by the cops or, um, or whatever. Yeah. And the episode ends, and we get the uh, the outro, which uh, I like the outro almost as much, if not more, than the intro. <laughs> like the, the outro song blues. is is, is yeah. really great. Um. um it's, the last scene on the bebop we see is just it's back to exactly where they were which is mm-hmm. interesting and i think there's a lot of that in the show not like the direct parallel um but it seems despite all this action and energy in between their life the or the life of, on the bebop goes on as it always has seemingly um yeah. spike is again practicing martial arts uh jet is cooking he kind of he tosses spike an anti-gravity like cigarette it just like floats it over to him takes a puff uh and then they're kind of yeah they're left in that that same sorry state of affairs seemingly still hungry still eating bell peppers without the beef uh and we get that title card of see you space cowboy at the end of the episode uh and then we're hit with the real folk blues yeah which is a, a really awesome song extremely awesome song um and man what a, what a great first episode like we mm-hmm. when you were kind of introducing me to this you said you know the first few episodes are are very much monster of the week episodes and then um it's going to build into kind of a meta plot that we're going to get into and i'm like this intro, uh, this this very simple storyline of try to find a guy and, you know, the guy gets killed and like stolen drugs. Like this is a very standard plot, but the the action, the animation and the music that, that plays throughout it and the the way that it's rendered is really great. Like I can see I'm very surprised that I didn't see this in 1998 and, and just immediately love it. But um there was I had that weird I had this weird prejudice against anime man like I was watching Cartoon Network back then like I was watching I was watching Adult Swim like I was watching cartoons and stuff but I just there was something about anime that I thought was for kids and I just never watched it to I think my detriment I was 18 when this came out I should have been smoking copious amounts of weed and watching this like I shouldn't have waited till I was 37 years old to watch this this is ridiculous um, my excuse is again, I was too young for it when it came out, so I caught it later. It is, you know, I think it has aired almost every single year, at least once on Adult Swim since then. I can definitely see that because I mean, like, why not? You know what I'm saying? It's a show with, uh, with a lot of saying power, you know, and there's always going to be new generations of anime fans who are going to encounter it. Um, oh yeah, hold on. I, I pulled this up the other day. I forgot. It says in the United States, Cowboy Bebop was one of the programs shown the night that Cartoon Network's first debuted Adult Swim on September 2nd, 2001. So it would have been 2001 when this first aired over here. Okay. Um, and this this was the the first episode or the first block of Adult Swim of all time, and it was the first anime that they showed on there. Um, and it was ex- successful enough to broadcast repeatedly for four years, and it has been run at least once every year since 2007. Uh, and nice. in 2015, okay. they started running the HD remaster of it, which is pretty cool. Interesting. Okay, I'm into it. I think um, if you watched Adult Swim like this Saturday night, Cowboy Bebop is on. Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, that, this makes a little bit more sense because um, in 98, I was 18. So in 2001, I just turned 21 and I had, uh, I had just been legally allowed to drink. So my, my interest probably yeah. changed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like Dean Winchester, I was too cool for cartoons. Too busy. Right. Anyway, right. we, we won't so now that. in your third is you're catching up. Sure. Yeah. This is exactly. Like, um, I've reversed my childhood. I am Benjamin yeah. Buttoning my life is what's happening right now. This is uh, Session 2, Straight Off Struts. Uh, this aired on October 31st, 1998, written by Michiko Yokote. Spike and Jet go after Abdul Hakim, who has stolen a data dog from a research facility. For an 8 million Wulong reward, it turns out that they are not the only ones after him. Um, this- and again, this uh, Abdul Hakim, he's, he's styled and sort of named after uh, the guy that Bruce Lee fights in Enter the Dragon, I believe. Okay. 
So he's, you know, that's another reference. This this thing is loaded with references. I'm only going to bring up the ones that I just know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to look them all up because there's a lot. Uh, bring up um, any and all of them. And uh, if the people at home listening, if you have more stuff that you'd like to mention in these episodes, and since we're releasing a bunch of these all at once, um, go ahead and write in. Go to uh, the monsteroftheweek.cool slash contact uh, or hit us up on Twitter at MOTWcast and, and get your get your feedback in. We'll probably do a feedback episode after everybody gets yeah, a chance so. to hear this. And then we'll, we'll read your comments on it and then release this as a, as a as the last episode for it so if you're if there's more references or there's cool stuff that we're overlooking please send it to us we want to hear that yeah definitely um i love this episode chris this episode's great yeah. uh, it's like a comedy of errors with a lot of great action in between absolutely and it's, it's, like there's a, a bunch of different players you don't really know what's going on even at the end when you find out kind of like what this what this this yeah. gorgeous cute <laughs> little corgi is uh it yeah. doesn't you still don't actually know because all it is is a data dog like you know it's it's just this genetically engineered dog to store data but what the hell is that like why would you do that why yeah. would you make a little right. corgi usb drive we that don't know and jeremy we're, we're never gonna know <laughs> oh okay Okay, cool. <laughs> it's just a thing that exists. <laughs> like, there's no like, there's no flashback episode for I'm the Corgi. It's just it is what it is, <laughs> which makes it better in my opinion because there's all this to do about it, uh, and they clearly like they spoilers. They take the dog back to the bebop and they keep it forever. I love um, it. I love it because the like, dog just kind of shows up and looks cute the entire time. And boy, it, if you didn't know that corgis were kind of assholes, this show would like make you want to have a corgi because the corgi. Is I've so always cute. wanted a corgi because yeah. of this damn show. And, it's, uh, and Chris, they're not great dogs. <laughs> they're, yeah. not, they're not good dogs. I'm just <laughs> yeah, going to say that out loud. Me. <laughs> um, but this thing, this thing, this anime corgi is is very cute. Um, so we got this dual Hakim who is, he's got this briefcase and that's sort of the central item of, of the episode. Uh, there's a bounty on, on, out on him. So Spike and Jet, uh, are trying to pick up that bounty. Is this where we get the big shot? Big shot. So this is the um, first time we TV. see big shots, which I am kind of in love with. Uh, it's this kind of booksum blonde lady and a, and a black dude, uh, all in like, Texas cowboy rodeo fringe, uh, but, yeah, like, but howdy y'all, colored in, <laughs> pew, in like pew. the American flag. Like it's very like yeah. it's very laughing almost. Like it's that kind of yeah. it's that kind of style. And it's uh, big shots, which is the show for bounty hunters, and they 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 publicly broadcast all of the people that have uh, bounties on their head. Right before this, we get a scene of the of Abdul kind of in a. Um, in a restroom getting accosted by a bunch of dudes in white suits carrying this briefcase and he immediately beats them all down. So we're introduced to Akeem mm-hmm. and then we see that he actually has a, uh, a bounty on his head. Um, and yeah, but when they reveal the bounty, he, he looks totally different. Exactly. We hear his name from the dudes in the white suits. Uh, and then we see his bounty and he looks different. And then jets immediately like, yeah, he's got facial reconstructive surgery. So we got to like figure out what he looks like now. Uh, that doesn't come up too too often but it's just like a thing in this world that you can have your face and pretty much your whole body just made to look totally different if you want yeah it's uh that, that that's a very cool thing and i like the fact that the uh the they they get in touch with the plastic surgeon i guess they have a contact and he's like oh yeah i'll tell you what his, i'll show you what his real face looks like but you have to pay me you have to give me a cut that kind of stuff uh which is which is really yeah. fun they um when they when they go to the planet uh we get kind of like this really far off shot and it, it's a really cool thing where that you see like this totally completely barren ass planet and then there's a walled city that is just gorgeous and green inside and as you get yeah. closer like to that like beautiful greenery you get down into the street level and it's very much um it's it's not similar visually or aesthetically but it's, it reminded me a lot of going to new orleans because if you like started way out um on google earth and went you know started at the top and you're like wow new orleans is gorgeous and then you like zoomed into Bur- Bourbon Street. The first thing you would see is like two dudes puking on the side of the street and like a drunk woman laughing at them. <laughs> and it's kind of gross and gritty, right? Like, so I like the the kind of layers that they're doing with that. Yeah. Um, it's, and again, it's it's the type of, this is the type of term that gets thrown around a lot for a lot of different things, but it, it all feels very, very lived in. Uh, whoever was in charge uh, of f- making the backgrounds and, and the scenery for the show, like, just they killed it that the detail in, in every location these locations that you're never gonna see again it's just it's it's outstanding um really what's so spike and and jet have to to track down this dude they need to go down to the city and try and find him mm-hmm. meanwhile hakeem who has this briefcase we don't know what's in it yet he's setting up a deal um to to go and sell it there's a lot of a lot of bad guys trying to sell secret stuff sure. around here mm-hmm. um but when he goes to uh, a bar to kind of chill out 
somebody bumps into him, and while he's distracted being angry at this dude, somebody else sneaks in uh, and grabs the briefcase and, and runs off. Uh, and it's clearly not somebody who is like in on any of this. He has no idea. It's just some kid, uh, some you know, some teenager or whatever who who grabs a briefcase, makes off in the back of like a dump truck, uh, and then he <laughs> opens the briefcase to be like, "All right, let's see what we got here." <laughs> and he hears growling. <laughs> um, I, I, it's really funny to me that like all of this happens, and again, like we haven't Spike hasn't entered the scene yet but all of this is just like bad circumstances and it uh not to make the reference again but it kind of reminds me of pulp fiction of like a series of unfortunate events right like it just bad things happen to uh, these everybody it seems like and then everything gets mixed up mixed up and then there's a big action scene like it's really great like i like i like because it feels like it's a little bit more a little bit less plotted if that makes sense Uh, like it feels more like it's come about naturally um this uh the kid with the briefcase takes it to like a pet store owner and she has like a pet store (laughs) she's she she has the makeup of joker from batman like there's no other way to explain her makeup ursula from the little mermaid (laughs) except with joker makeup on like dude like she just looks like like a female joker with like a toad on her head or so she has like a big turtle hat on her she has like a turtle sitting on her head or something and there's like an ostrich in the background it's just this extremely exotic and extremely ridiculous uh situation and he tries to sell her this dog he's like hey lady like it must be worth something if this dude was carrying this dog in a briefcase <laughs> and she's like i don't want that mutt like get out of here she i'll tells give you like worth two dollars maybe it. two longs and that's it and he's just yeah. he's crestfallen about the whole thing he's like what the fuck um, um at some point in all of this spike has learned that what hakeem had is a quote unquote data dog uh so he kind of he's going around to these shops and he goes into i had to bring this this up it's certainly important but he goes in to the shop and he's asking questions and and the dude's not really answering anything and spike spies a set of nunchucks on the wall and he kind of like he's knowledgeable about it uh, another bruce lee reference here uh and this this dude who's got this crazy like whoa dude like for sure my man uh <laughs> he's very great surfer accent. come on bro yeah, like the surfer accent yeah. I, I noted this down too i'm glad you brought it up because it's it was very he's like, like he's really impressed from? with <laughs> he's really impressed with uh with spikes he's from socal he's really uh impressed with, with spikes knowledge of, of the nunchuck so he's like all right bro well i'll tell you where they usually sell uh crazy dogs around here you should go check out this shop nearby what's up uh so spike's like all right thank man thanks man i'm gonna head over there uh and when he heads over there that's where he runs into this thief not hakeem <laughs> but spike pulls a gun on him and he's like man you're really running out of money for all this plastic surgery huh, hakeem? <laughs> really dude is like, what is going on this poor kid is like this is not what i signed up for like first i wanted to steal some something like valuable and i stole a dumb welsh corgi like and now that dude's pulling a gun on me for the corgi <laughs> that i stole what is happening um, and this is this is a, where we first get to actually see it. I don't think we've seen it yet um, because the kid is like, man, I don't really know what's going on here. Spike's got a gun to his head and Spike tells the shop owner, you know, Mrs. Joker over here. He's like, open the case. Let's see what's going on here. She pops it open and there's the dog. So Spike is like, huh? Um, it just seems like the most regular dog ever. It doesn't seem like a data dog. It's not some like robot falcon. It's. It's just a corgi. It just looks really. It just looks like a corgi. I mean, that's all it. That's all yeah. it is. Um, and then yeah, he realizes it's the, the dog is worth nothing. Um, and so he's like, oh, God damn it. Um, Abdul so, rolls, rolls up right, and like he he, yeah, he first Spike just goes sorry about the gun thing. It <laughs> just walks away. Good apology, Spike. We appreciate that. Thank you. For, thank you for apologizing for quote the gun thing. <laughs> Uh, but this is where now Hakeem is caught up to the thief. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike hears the, this big commotion, uh, and he he runs back, and all the animals are now loose, and it's just this ridiculous chase scene for the next, like, 50% of the episode. Because the guys from the beginning, the white coat guys, are like our lab coat looking dudes have shown up, because they're also looking for this Corgi, too. So, like, we've got, mm-hmm. again, just like the first episode, we've got multiple factions in this, all chasing each other, or one, you know, uh, MacGuffin <laughs> kind of thing. Um... At this but point, I, I like how uh, so Spike catches up to Abdul, um, 
I keep having to look at Abdul's name because I just wrote Afro Boy on the, the in my notes. Um, it's hard. It's hard to know the names unless you've seen the episodes a million yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. So Spike catches up to Abdul and they kind of face off on this bridge that's going across like a kind of a canal between two streets. Um, and they do they, they do a bunch of crazy cool fighting, which I appreciate. And then at some point, like the Corgi kind of jumps uh, off the bridge away from both of yeah. them and lands on this boat. And uh, Spike jumps off to follow the, the, <laughs> the Corgi. And as Abdul tries to follow him, like the, I think the, dog jumps up and like kicks the dude <laughs> so he doesn't yeah. land on the boat which is really great yeah. <laughs> he lands in the water thank you bud um, appreciate also, that during this chase scene where we have spike we have hakeem we have the dog we have animal controller you know whoever they are mm-hmm. there's just there's so there's all these other animals running around it's just it's full-on chaos during all of this in, in, in episode one we learned Spike kind of racks up some uh, some damage bills that he has to pay off during these bounties. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And even during this, we're seeing Hakim run from him and he's jumping tables while Spike comes just running through the tables. Like when he is focused on something, he stops paying attention to the destruction he's causing around him, even in, in a minor way. But yeah, now uh, now Spike has this dog <laughs> and he's floating away on a boat while Hakim has to like float down the river. Uh, I think he gets fished up by some kids a few minutes later. Yeah, he does, which is literally fished up and like kind of growls at them for doing so. And the kids just have to run away. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, but while that's happening, he, Hakeem still is after his, uh, still after the pup. Mm-hmm. Um, they're back on the bebop, Jet and, Jet and Spike. Wait, did we miss uh, the, uh, a- the van whistle thing? Is that... Or is that coming I up? I think that's coming up okay, in a minute. Because yeah, right now, Jet and Spike are back on the bebop. They're putting a collar on it. Uh, Spike starts talking about how he hates kids and pets. Uh, I don't know if he says it right here, but the other, the third thing that Spike hates is women with bad attitudes. Um, mm. That's extremely a, a, a cool thing to do, Spike. <laughs> good job, Spike, in 1998. We appreciate that. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Spike's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, he just doesn't like attitude problems. Um, let's see. Hold on. Oh, no. I scrolled out of my notes. Oh, no. You'd think that after um, one million podcasts with my friend Jeremy Greer here, Mm -hmm. that I'd have mastered the iPhone notes section. But no, it's it's as unwieldy as ever. Yeah, that's that's why I just use the laptop that I'm recording with so I can just have them on the screen. (laughs) Just a little bit of admin for you. Um, Just a little peek behind the curtain for you people out out there. And okay, so now we're back at the animal control dudes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have them talking about whatever experiments they were doing on the the data dog. I don't. I never pay attention to what the one dude is saying because his like co-pilot there just keeps going. Seems that way. Seems that way. Seems that way. Seems that way. <laughs> Seems that way. Really it's good running joke. Like if you're gonna have like yeah. a couple of like uh, like one-time villains, like giving them just a little bit of personality, where one guy runs his mouth so much that the other dude just responds with the same thing every time. Is is it's yeah. A, yeah. It's a very tiny thing, but it's a good piece of characterization. Uh, good. These dudes decide to, and they say it like unleash the dog whistle, uh, which I assumed was going to be some like high tech thing, but no, it's just a literal dog it's whistle. Just a dog whistle. <laughs> yeah. And when they do so, uh, for some reason. Spike is out walking the corgi, and uh, all of the dogs of the neighborhood in this neighborhood, all the stray dogs, start running after this. And of course, the corgi hears it and starts chasing it as well. And Spike loses him. Um, there's this weird kind of uh, clip where uh, Abdul knows that he needs a, a vehicle, so he steals it from like a couple that's just about to get married and like speeds off yeah. with like the just married <laughs> like thing, busts into a wedding, yeah. <laughs> just cuz and it's just it's, um, it's one of those like just slice of life moments where i think like right before this the the the, the bride had said something like thank you for this very perfect wedding i, wedding. I can't believe it worked yeah. out so well <laughs> just just this chaos comes running through which is just it's great it's fun um but yeah they jet put a, a tracker on on the dog so they're trying to like figure out what's going on i think jet's mm-hmm. kind of doing his like above monitoring thing um spike also hops into his ship because he's like all right everybody's getting away and i need to be able to track this halfway through this episode i forgot that like oh they don't care about the dog they're still trying they're still to, trying to chase the they guy yeah they don't they don't, they don't have <laughs> they don't anything about the dog, to the dog. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to get this bounty you, you mentioned um, earlier that they but, found out uh in the middle of the episode that he found out it was a data dog i didn't think that happened till the end like i thought that happened all the yeah, way yeah i don't know what okay. i honestly have no idea um because cool. that's not what the details don't matter here cool. they really yeah, yeah. don't they really don't we're I'm here for the action which is fucking incredible like it's so much fun to to watch this like, show is almost never about the details all the details are there but they really don't matter like we've said before it's the cool factor it's the action it's the um, it, 
emotion. It's the vibe. It's like watching Cowboy Bebop is like listening to a really good song. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to know all the lyrics to be able to get what's happening. You know, and if I mean? you and if you learned all of the lyrics, you probably wouldn't probably wouldn't like it as much. That's that's been my <laughs> tradition. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't realize that that was the the thing that I was singing along this entire time. Um, so now uh, Abdul has stolen this wedding car. Spike is in his ship. The van full of uh, lab techs is chasing Abdul and. Uh, um, uh, Spike is chasing both of them. The lab techs shoot out a tether, and so now they're tethered together with Abdul. Uh, and <laughs> they start, I think, at the, in the middle of this, the corgi is like trying to push uh, Abdul's like steering wheel around, like trying to get him to yeah, run off like the road. Him. <laughs> so good. This corgi is so smart. Yeah. Um, and then he hops out the window, mm-hmm. and uh, Spike, being on, oddly enough, the kind hearted soul that he is, he is forced to give up the chase on Hakeem and let him get away so that he could go and save the dog. Despite his protestations, he saves this innocent little innocent yeah. little dog. Uh, the the two our other two villains or other two antagonists both when they crash off this bridge go right into the cops. So the cops get to arrest them and that's and that's all she wrote for them. Um, this this action scene is really pretty. Like they're on a bridge over some water. Mm-hmm. It's really gorgeous. Like I just can't get over the colors and the animation in this. I'm that's you're probably going to hear me say stuff like this is really gorgeous. Oh my god, this looks so good like that's gonna be my my call sign for this podcast yeah um hopefully if anybody's listening to this and hasn't seen cowboy bebop they can seek that out in some way Mm -hmm. um because it's such a good show yeah Um, i mean looking at amazon because i almost bought this twice (laughs) for some reason like uh, it's in between 20 and 30 bucks for like a blu-ray set of of all 26 episodes and i think that's an absurd value like that that's a that's that's a really good price for me so definitely so uh, um, we find out through another episode of Big Shot that uh, this dog was in fact a data dog and that they, uh, the uh, Abdul and the uh, technicians that created the data dog, which did some illegal genetic experimentation, were both arrested by the police. Um, and the data dog is worth a fortune to collectors, but, you know, he's still just chilling on the bebop. Um, Spike is doing his, you know, I hate pets thing while the dog is just being incredibly cute this entire time. Yeah, yeah. Um he yeah he complains about ein being there i don't know when they revealed that's the dog's name but his name is ein um e-i-n they uh spike is complaining about him being there despite the one who let the being the one who let hakeem get away who ends up getting arrested so they can't get the bounty on him Mm -hmm. again he let him get away to save the dog and then he's the one who brought the dog to the ship so he's (laughs) he's belly aching but you know he really loves he really loves this dog i mean how Um, can he not he's cute as hell and he's very smart there's a quick scene at the end uh, of the pet shop again where the thief is like, he's back there and he's clearly like, he's, he's cleaning up, he's doing community service. And the guy from the bar who first bumped into Hakeem and almost got punched out, he he comes up and he gives sort of this meek wave to, to the thief. And in my head for the very first time, I was like, oh my God, were they working together to steal, to like, to rob this dude? I don't know if it's supposed to be super obvious. Interesting. I've seen this a million times and I never put it together. I thought that they were like, he comes and he gives him the little wave because he's just thinking like, oh, if we, you know, both had to tussle with some crazy shit today. Um, but it would make sense that the one dude bumped into Hakeem while the other guy came around the other side, grabbed his briefcase and took off. Uh, I don't know if it's what it's supposed to be or if it's supposed to be really obvious that that's what it was, but this is the first time I noticed it. Um, I, something we that I've neglected to mention is um, when Spike is going down to the the planet or to the asteroid or whatever um, to to go pursue Abdul. He lands his uh, is it you said it was the swordfish. His lands his uh, like, yeah, I kinda, think that's what it's called. His yeah. lander or whatever in some water, and the mm-hmm. animation of this like spaceship landing in some water, you know, with that classic kind of plane like sliding on the water on the water surface thing is incredible. Like I was I, I actually so cool. rewound it so I could watch it again because I was so impressed with it. Yeah, um, this is the type of show that it, it almost sucks to have to take notes during it because you just want to be able to see it all. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually um, I, I have I have since decided. Usually, when we cover stuff like when we cover Supernatural or um, if we cover books or whatever, obviously I don't read that twice. But like when we're watching stuff, I usually have seen it before. That's usually kind of mm-hmm. when, when we cover stuff on podcasts. Like I've seen it once, and then I'll watch it to make notes for it. Since I haven't seen this, I've decided that I'm just going to watch it naturally. And I'm probably going to just go ahead and finish the whole thing. And then I'm going to come back and make notes of it because uh, I've made notes for the first four episodes. And I'm like, man, I just and then I watch the fifth one without like typing anything. I'm like, I need to just experience the story and then I need to come back and make <laughs> notes. So I'm, I'm definitely going to yeah. be doing that. So especially because, you know, viewing it two times, it's probably useful for, to be able to talk about it. Uh, do you have any sure. any final thoughts for this podcast before we excuse me for these two episodes before we get into some admin? Um, no, not, not too much. It's the show is still holding out on us, despite how fun and cool these episodes are. 
the best is yet to come and and I'm I'm looking forward to to get your take on on what comes next. Yeah, these the first episode sold me, like I mentioned, uh, and then watching, like I did last night, I watched three more um, and got to episode five, and the the kind of meta story, some back some background information comes to light. Then I am I'm I'm all in. Like I I'm just going to watch mm-hmm. all of the rest of these. Like I will probably kind of binge watch these, and it'll be kind of nice <laughs> to binge watch something for once, to be honest with you, instead of yeah, taking yeah, it week by yeah. week. Um, this has been Don't Give Up Space Cowboy. This is a Monster of the Week Presents production. Uh, Chris and I have a Patreon, and uh, it's at patreon.com slash monster of the week. This started as a kind of a supernatural podcast, and we are now branching out to other medias. We have a, uh, a podcast we're doing called Silver for Monsters, which is a Witcher book podcast, book club podcast, uh, that has some guests on it that you might be interested in. And we have other plans to do these besides. If you're listening to this right now, it's because it's on the public feed, um, and you're t- kind of taking a sample. So if you want more of this, or more of me and Chris, go check out that patreon.com slash monster of the week. And if you have already patroned us, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate that. Um, Thank you. Normally we would say like leave an iTunes review or anything, but none of that exists. So if you want to say something about the show, just go to monsteroftheweek.cool slash contact and tell us directly. Chris, uh, where can you be found on the internet? I am at local bones on Twitter and you can go there to talk to me about anime. <laughs> That's true. I am at JG Greer and you can go there and try to talk to me about anime. Uh, thank you very much. To, he will uh, mute you. <laughs> I will, I will, like it depends on what anime it is. Like you want to, <laughs> you want to come at me, Ian, come on. Um, special shout outs to at mellow makes on Twitter. That's two mellow makes uh, for our uh, intro and our outro music. Go check out all of his stuff at uh, two mellow makes. That's the number two mellow yeah, dot yeah. bandcamp.com. Thank you very much that's a that's a banging track and we'd love it we'll see you uh sure. next time on don't give up a space cowboy